Welcome to Adventure Retired, the podcast where retired people share what they are doing in their retirement to help inspire you to live your best retired life. We are Kurt and Cindy Liljadal, your hosts. And today we're going to talk to a lady who has a unique and different retirement than other people. Well, she has a different outlook on it due to mobility issues, which are very prevalent in older people and a lot of our normal society. I mean, there's a lot of people that struggle with walking because of, you know, knee problems and hip problems and things like that. I'm one of them, but yeah, I'm excited to hear her story. I am too. But first, a life lesson from Kurt's book, Fix the Problem and Other Life Lessons from a Pragmatic Dad. This is an oldie but a goodie. If it sounds too good to be true, it usually is. <laughs> it wasn't with you, though, honey. What? You were just like I thought you were. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. But with the internet, you notice there's always pop-up ads, and there's this and that and the other thing. Oh, yeah. And I, I heard on a podcast the other day that um, you know a lot of what you see on Facebook and all that, these ads, some of it's scams. Oh, man. I've already... That's happened to me. Do you remember when I bought those really unique ice scrapers? Ice scrapers, yeah. right? And they came from China. Yeah. And yeah. it took like forever. It's a funnel. I that's know. all it is. It was a funnel. I mean, uh, You paid much. like 20 bucks a pop for them. And... It, it looks so good. And I was thinking, you know, hey, this would be really good for Zary, who, you know, was new to ice scraping and yeah, me. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, but anyway, it if it sounds too good to be true, it usually is. People are trying to make a buck, and that's fine. And not do it the right way. Right. But be careful, especially buying stuff on the internet. Oh, yeah. We always tell our girls, look at the reviews. Yeah. And boy, you just start looking at the reviews and you see right away that this product is worthless. Yep. All right. Let's get on to the interview. Today we're talking to Francine Falk Allen. And how are you today? Oh, just great. Thank you. We always start our podcast, Francine, asking people what did they do um, before they were retired and how long they've been retired. Um, I, I almost don't think of myself as retired because I've written two books since I retired. But uh, oh previous to that, I was an accountant. I had my own uh, tax and bookkeeping service for about 33 years. And, and then after I sold it, I worked for other accountants for maybe, I don't know, five or 10 years after that. Okay. And how long has it been since you have been in that business? Um, I sold it in late 2008, and the last time I worked a tax season was 2017. I bet you have enjoyed tax season ever since. Uh, Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) And writing two books, that's a great accomplishment also. Yeah, what were the names of them? My first book was Not a Poster Child, Living Well with a Disability, a Memoir. And that was about my experience of growing up a polio kid with a partly paralyzed leg. And my second book is No Spring Chicken, Stories and Advice from a Wild Handicapper on Aging and Disability. I cannot wait to talk to you about that book. Um, And just the preference of the wild handicapper just brings a smile to my face. Yes, I know that some people with disabilities are offended by the word handicapper or handicap, but I felt like it kind of 
conveyed the feeling of a bird that wanted to get out there and still have a good time. Oh, so yeah. um, that's that's why I went ahead and used it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, we, we see that you like to travel. So tell us from your perspective of having a physical handicap like that, what you have, how, um, what are some of the challenges and, and the accessibility problems that you've seen while you've traveled? Well, some places are just really difficult, places with a lot of hills. Um, I would exclude San Francisco from that because at their uh, museums, it's really easy to get a wheelchair and, and get around in them. But uh, generally, you certainly wouldn't want to go see Positano, Italy. And I've heard that, that Portugal also is very hilly. So any place with a lot of stairs is very difficult. Okay. And uh, I, I think that the most important thing in planning travel and not giving up on travel, if you do have a disability as you age, is to plan ahead, to find out what is available and what's not available in the area you'd like to visit. Yeah, you bring up a good point there because you see people with disabilities, whether it's a, um, I don't know, a handicap of some sort or just getting old. And I always admire those people. I'll see people in church on Sundays, you know, in a walker, in a wheelchair, something like that. And it would be so easy for them to stay home, but they're getting out and doing it. And I, I just admire that so much. I think it's really important. I think that uh, staying at home all the time, I mean, I like to be at home. I love my home, and I'm a little bit of a hermit. Um, I love my garden, and I like to watch movies and read books, so I could stay home all the time if I wanted to, but I think it's a mistake. I think it's really important to get out, and it helps you to uh, learn about other people's perspectives, for one thing, and being out in nature is especially important, and, and having some cultural stimulation. So, yes, it's really important to keep getting out no matter what. Right. Oh, yeah. What would you say are some of the best places that have accessibility for somebody that is in a wheelchair or a walker? Well, a lot of cities are really easy these days. Well, you do have to save up your money and be prepared. I, I don't recommend taking subways because there are always a lot of stairs up to the street. But most cities have good uh, cab service, and of course now you can get Lyft or Uber, and um, or, or rent a car if it's not a really congested city. Right. And um, with flat sidewalks, you can get around pretty easily if you have a scooter or a wheelchair. I think that um, as as people age, that they should um, embrace assistive devices like canes, walkers, crutches and scooters so that they can continue to get around. And I've found that um, Vancouver, British Columbia, and uh, Seattle, and um, uh, Paris especially, I love Paris, and, uh, and New York, New Orleans, those are all places that it, it's pretty easy to get around if you have a scooter or a wheelchair. Oh, well, that's great. Wow, you've traveled a lot um, just listening to, to all of those places. Wow. I have traveled quite a bit. I mean, it, it's kind of surprising in a way. I, as a child, I I was really fascinated with the idea of travel, and my family didn't have the means to do that. But as soon as I was able, I was hitting the road and getting on an airplane. <laughs> oh, yeah, great. Um, what, what foreign countries have you been to, Francine? Foreign countries? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, long list. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> 
Well, okay, so we'll start with, with Canada and Mexico. Right. And I've been to England, Scotland, Ireland, France, Germany, Italy, Spain, uh, Yugoslavia. I traveled in the Middle East. I've been to um, Pakistan, Israel, um, let's see, India. Oh, wow. That is fantastic. What a wonderful... Um, A question about foreign countries. I know here in the United States we have ADA, the Americans with Disability Act. So a lot of places have to have accessible stuff, you know, the ramps, the wheelchairs and all that. Foreign countries, are they as good or better or worse? Not as good. They don't have uniform laws like we do, but they are trying to step up. Okay. Um, the, the last time I was in Paris, which was quite some time ago, it was five or ten years ago, I noticed that all the doorways to shops had little ramps on them. Now, okay. it would be very hard. They're steep, so it would be very hard to get up them um, unless someone pushed you in a wheelchair, but at least they were trying. And when we were in Edinburgh a few years ago, um, there were ramps at every uh, every intersection. Every every time there was a, a curb, there was a, a ramp, and those are rather steep too. But you can get up them in a scooter. I found, and so uh, countries are really trying. I, I I find that in the UK um, they're especially helpful at the train stations. Okay. They will if even if you haven't asked ahead of time, they will offer to put a ramp. Um, so that you can get from the platform onto the train, and they have hookups inside the train so that you can hook your wheelchair or your scooter to it so it doesn't roll around. I mean, they're really working at it. I don't know if that's true in other trains all over Europe, but I did find that the last time we were in the UK. So they're they're working on it, but I don't know if they have as much uh, regulatory, you know, information put in place well i would think one of the challenges would be and we've traveled in europe a fair amount and the age of the buildings you just can't you know when you have this building that's literally 500 600 years old you just can't throw an elevator in there or something like that so that's true so what i find is that some places have they've already figured out that you can get into certain areas of buildings and other other parts they just tell you it's it's not wheelchair accessible oh, okay. and um the the thing people ask me about in Europe is what about the cobblestones but i find that the sidewalks tend to be flat i think it's it's a modern uh innovation that they've they've put in because uh Women wear high heels, and it's really hard to walk on cobblestones. <laughs> That's a good point. So I really think that that had a lot to do with it. But uh, the sidewalks tend to be quite flat. Okay. So yes, and and the other thing I always tell people is, um, I recommend staying away from bed and breakfast unless they have a downstairs bedroom. You right. can always ask if you're really attached to a particular place. But I try to avoid stairs. Okay. And, and if you're in a wheelchair, then, of course, they're impossible. So. Yeah, yeah. I remember when um, my girls were in Girl Scouts. Uh, they were finally old enough to travel. We took a trip to from South Texas where we lived to New York City. And I remember one of the moms that came with us was in a wheelchair. And I had done everything to make sure that, you know, we had the the van that was accessible and the hotel. And sure enough, you get up there and, you know, things don't go as planned. And they didn't send the right van, you know, and they didn't, you know, we didn't have the right hotel room. And it just kind of really showed me that 
you really have to plan and then you have to be able to, you know, follow through with things because, man, it, it was difficult at times. Yes, yes. I always recommend that people not only plan ahead, but call ahead a day or two before when you're going to check into a place and make sure you really are going to get what you asked for. Um, people in wheelchairs need to have an ADA room and you really need to confirm that you are going to get it. I personally, I, I ask not to be in an ADA room because they tend to have less furniture and I'm not in a wheelchair. And uh, they also have roll-in showers, which are more dangerous for a person who is walking with canes or crutches. Oh, okay. And so, uh, you know, it's it, you have to really know what it is you're, you're looking for and then confirm that you are going to get it. Right, yeah, <laughs> not, not every person has the same needs you know right. it's exactly yeah. yes and do you do you travel alone or do you travel with groups or spouse or i travel with my husband okay and i have traveled alone it's been a while since i've traveled alone when i used to go to tax seminars i i traveled alone and i had it figured out that was before i got my scooter though Okay. And I always had to get a wheelchair in airports. That's another thing that's really important, and I think people should not be proud about it, that they uh, they should go ahead and ask for a wheelchair if they have walking difficulty, because why waste your energy getting from the check-in desk to the airplane and exhausting yourself and having to rest several times along the way? Oh, yeah. Just get a wheelchair and enjoy it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I travel with my husband, and he schleps the luggage, so that's really helpful. <laughs> well, we're good for something, you know, us hubbies. Yeah, my my mother is 87, and she's starting to walk with a cane. And, you know, she grabs it when she needs it, mostly when she walks out on a gravel road. But you can tell she hasn't embraced it yet. And, I'm, you know, I don't blame her. It's not a, so much a disability, but an aging issue. And, you know, she, she'll get there. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that I know that um, a lot of people don't want to appear old, but we are old, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it just doesn't matter. And sometimes people are really nice to you when they see you have a cane. Sometimes they're not. They just don't realize that that means that you're having a walking difficulty. But um, I didn't want to use a scooter for a really long time. I'd go to these big seminars, and people would be using scooters to get from one end of the hotel to the other and it was really hard for me to do all that walking but I had a I had my own prejudice about disability I thought well they're old and fat and that's why they're using scooters <laughs> but I found that once I started renting one my life was so much easier you know and oh, I could yeah. get off the thing and walk around in short distances and save my energy so I think it's important not to be proud that's that's yeah. a very good point that's a real good point um, we're wondering, do you have any specific travel tips that, or just calling ahead and stuff like that? Well, yeah, I think that's probably the most important thing is checking out what, what the environment is going to be like and if it's going to be realistic for you. I think also another tip that sometimes people don't take is to uh, let somebody pay for your trip. Or let someone help you. You know, uh, I think a lot of times people give up on travel because they say, well, it'll be too much trouble. I can't do it by myself. I don't want to ask anyone. But if someone offers to take you on a trip, you should go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's <Definitely>. golden. <laughs> yeah. 
I use some um, uh, guidebooks too, and they're, now they're getting to be um, some accessibility and disability travel guidebooks. But I started out with Rough Guide and Lonely Planet, and they often say, this is the distance, this is the walking distance from here to there, oh, okay. or this place has an elevator, or there are no elevators in any of the bed and breakfasts in this town. You know, they, they make it really clear, and I think that um, using guidebooks is, is really important. And you also get to find out whether you may have a fantasy about going someplace and then realize, well, it's not going to be that much fun for me. So you choose someplace else. There are thousands of places to go. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay. We, we see in your book that you like to um, travel in national parks. We do too. (laughs) I love national. I love state parks. I love national parks, but um, can you tell us about traveling those with mobility issues or which ones are your favorites and stuff? I love Yosemite, and it is not uh, necessarily listed as one of the most accessible parks, but we we were going there every year for about 30 years, and um, we had friends that we camped with, and then when it got too difficult for me, uh, we started staying in the lodge, and I rented a scooter, and I could get around the valley pretty well. Okay. And so, um, so th- there are a lot of places you can go on a scooter in Yosemite Valley, but the places that have been listed by um, road trippers and outside online as the most improved national parks are Yellowstone and uh, Staunton Park in Colorado, Grand Canyon, and the Statue of Liberty, and the best trails, the most paved trails that are accessible are in Acadia in Maine, and Grand Canyon, and uh, Glacier in Montana, and also Yellowstone. So I haven't been to any of those, but I did go to Zion last year. We took an RV trip, and I found that Zion was was quite accessible, and I I went on a two-mile pathway with my scooter and got to go back in and see a lot of nature and and get off the scooter and be near a stream. So, uh, yeah, I, I recommend checking out National Park. I bet we've been on that very same path in Zion. It was beautiful. It's right along the river there. Yeah. yeah. It goes way back in. Yeah. We had a lovely time. Oh. what The only thing I don't like about the National Parks, it just seems in the last few years they've become so popular. Well, especially with COVID, because exactly. it's a place you can go outside. Yeah. So it's yeah. a little safer than than uh, being in a place that's more highly populated. Right. When we were first married and doing a lot of camping and and traveling and using the uh, the park passes, you know, we we might be there might be twenty thirty people in a, one of those national parks that day, and then you go last two years. I mean, you're talking about thousands of people. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Yosemite's actually requiring reservations just to get into the park now, which wow. that was stunning to me, but that just shows you how popular it is and they're trying to keep the population realistic for these times. But I think it also shows that, you know, Americans and even, you know, people that are traveling to America from other countries love our national parks and we need to do everything we can to support them. Yeah. I agree. I agree. We contribute to some organizations that um, help to keep them refurbished because, you know, we talk about having good pathways and everything, but that costs money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It costs money to put in a wooden boardwalk to protect the environment or even to put in some paving, which, you know, you don't want to pave the whole place, obviously. So, but it costs money. Okay. I have a question. You, you ride a scooter and, um, 
my wife has an electric bike, an e-bike. Our last episode was about e-bikes, and her biggest fear is running out of battery. Does that come up? Like, if you're going around a national park, do your batteries die, or I, I don't know? Um, the battery on my travel scoot lasts a pretty long time, but I always plug it in when I get back to the hotel room, and um, I, and the Pride Go-Go's and other Pride and similar scooters, they have a pretty long battery life. The The distance from the lodge to housekeeping camp in Yosemite is about two miles, and I could get there and get back and still have battery left. It didn't. It didn't run it down. Okay. Now, the more the more you go uphill, the more the battery will be used. And I I think my current scooter has, I don't know, it has maybe five or ten hours of battery as long as you don't do a lot of uphill. Right. But I just always have the I always have the charger with me so that you know I've charged it at a restaurant okay. if I needed to. Now, what is your when you're traveling on with your um, scooter? Can you fly with your scooter? Can I fly with it? Yes. Okay. Um, it's it's uh, it's treated like a baby carriage. Mine is is very it's very lightweight and it can be lifted. So it's really easy for the for the flight staff to just pick it up and put it in the hold down below. And we take the battery out, it has an, uh, a lithium battery, and we take it out and take that into the cabin with us. The battery weighs about 10 pounds, and the right. scooter itself only, without the battery, it only weighs about 25 pounds or so. The bigger scooters are heavier, and they have to ride them down and put them in the hull. And uh, so that's something that um, that you have to plan ahead for. You have to allow a lot more time when you bring a scooter with you, when you bring your own scooter. But I've rented them at the places that we've gone to also, okay. you know, like go to a hotel. And a lot of scooter rental places will bring them to your hotel. Okay. And what's the name of your scooter again? It sounds very easy or yeah, it's a travel scoot, travel and it, scoot. it folds up, and I can actually lift it. When it's taken apart, I can actually lift it into my trunk. Oh, so I can go to a mall now if I want to. It, it, was, it became really difficult for me to meet my friends for lunch at a place that had a lot of walking involved, and so uh, it's, it's quite portable. My husband can take it apart in just a couple of minutes. It takes me, you know, five to seven minutes to take it apart or put it back together. But, you know, that's pretty quick. Okay. Okay, great. You, you talked about how you usually don't do Airbnbs, um, but do you have a favorite hotel chain that you like that has more accessibility than others? Most of the big hotels have accessible rooms and elevators. So I, I generally don't use bed and breakfast because they tend to have stairs. And okay. we haven't done any Airbnb or um, what's it, uh, VRBO, yeah. right. because I, you know, I kind of figured that like a home is not going to have an elevator. You're right. You're right. <laughs> and if they're two story, it's out of the question for me. So, um, you know, I have, I just haven't looked into them, but we've, we use Hilton and other chains to Marriott. So, you know, it just depends on where we're going and what's available. I do a lot of research on TripAdvisor. Okay. Okay. And, um, like parks and what, what are some bad things you look for? 
well, rough pathways. A lot of scooters won't go on a, a, a deep gravel path. So you have to be careful with that. I've gotten stuck in a few places. Fortunately, my scooter is lightweight, so my husband will just lift it over and I'll use my crutches to get past that okay. area. We've, we've gone to a lot of gardens, um, in, like, for instance, in, in Ireland, and there were places where we just had to lift it up and move it because all of a sudden it was grassy. But some oh. scooters will go over grass. So so it just depends. You have to You have to check it out. Um, sometimes they'll say that a place is accessible and you get deep in and you find out you can't go any further. So you yeah. just have to turn around or bring a book and wait while everyone else goes <laughs> on the path. Yeah, that's true. That's Cindy's good at that. I was just, you know, looking at, at your book, No Spring Chicken Stories and Advice from the Wild Handicapper on Aging and Disabilities. I want to know what's a good, what you have to have some stories to tell us about some of your adventures. What What's one of your favorite stories that you've experienced? Well, people like the story about Yosemite that I tell in the book. So I'll try and abbreviate it. I don't know how much longer we have here. Okay. But um, we, don't, uh, we don't get paid by the hour or anything. We don't get paid. So. <laughs> Me either. That's right. That's right. Go ahead. So um, one time I was uh, uh, using the using the rental scooter at Yosemite Valley, and I had gone over from the lodge to the uh, housekeeping camp where our friends stayed, and I was doing that every day. And one day I waited just a little bit too late. It was it was uh, the sun had gone behind the hill, and it was a little later than I usually go. It was still light. So I'm tooling back along the pathway, which kind of goes up and down and goes by a wooded area. And this couple was rushing along the path, and they were walking really close to the curb. And the cars go by there, you know, sometimes 40 or 50 miles an hour. And I almost said something to them, but I could tell that they didn't speak English. And, and I thought, well, you know, I just hope they'll be okay. And I put putted along a little bit further and uh, looked off to my left into the clearing in the woods, and um, about 20 feet off the pathway, they had put in a bear statue. And I thought, well, that's funny that they would put it there, but that's that's a nice big bear statue there, and that looks actually kind of attractive. And I'm looking at it, and the statue turned its head. Oh, <laughs> no. It was a live bear, and the thing was pretty big. It was the size of a grizzly. It oh, was about um, four feet tall, and uh, its head was about a foot wide, and it was, um, you know, about probably five feet from nose to tail. And um, I'm staring at it, and he's staring at me, and we're, we're, you know, both moving our heads, staring at it. And then he took a step toward me, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I shouldn't be looking at him. I shouldn't be having direct eye contact. And I I put the uh, the scooter into high gear, which is only about six <laughs> miles an hour. And the pathway was bumpy and hilly, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I don't want to fall over. And I thought, oh, what am I going to do if he starts to follow me? And I thought, well, I guess I'll have to throw my backpack at him because that's bears know, especially at that time of night when they're starting to raid campgrounds, the backpacks often have food in them. Oh, yeah. And this bear had a collar on, so I knew this was his area and it was not mine. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And so I'm thinking, what am I going to do? I thought, okay, well, 
I'll I'll beep my horn, and they hate noise. But the horn on the, one of those scooters, it sounds like a clown's horn. It's really not very <laughs> scary. So I thought, well, I really hate to throw my backpack at him because it had my computer in it with all my writing on it. And I usually back it up, but I don't always back it up, you right. know. So I'm like scooting along and thinking, oh, gosh, oh, gosh, please don't follow me. Don't follow me. And he didn't. He oh. just stayed where he was. I guess he thought I was pretty unusual too yeah so so he just stayed where he was and i made it back to the campground but it was pretty exciting and we went back to the campground and well i made made it back to the lodge and we went back to the campground with the car later that evening so that made a good story around the campfire oh my goodness (laughs) yes that's a story to tell grandchildren someday and thank you that you didn't get hurt i bet that got the old heart pounding uh, yeah, I, yeah, it it did. You know, my my heart rate definitely went up, but I didn't really have time to be totally petrified. You know, I just had to get out of there. <laughs> and now, and then I knew why the couple was walking so fast and trying to stay as as far away from the bear as they could by walking along the curb. Yeah, there, so. well, they could have warned you, yeah. but that's all right. We're getting close to our end time, but I want you to tell us about your, your new book, No Spring Chicken, and your stories and advice from a wild handicapper on aging disabilities. It just sounds like a great book. We're going to order it, and i just you know letting everybody else know about it. Well, thank you. Um, it's It does have, uh, half the book is about travel, and there are a lot of stories of places I've been and things I've done and things I recommend and things I don't recommend. And then the middle section addresses um, how to adjust to a family member or friend who is beginning to have disabilities and things that I recommend that you say and don't say and uh, just how to uh, learn to be with someone whose body is changing. And then I I get into the exercise program that I do. I generally, of course, with a broken foot, it hasn't been too easy, but um, I get down on the floor and and do uh, floor stretches and yoga every every day. And I also have a swim program. And then the end of the book talks about um, staying involved in community and how to find support groups, how to start a support group if you want one. And support groups can be for... Uh, difficulties, but they can also be for um, travel or hiking or bird watching or whatever it is you're interested in. And then there's a chapter on uh, disability rights and advocacy. And the end of the book is full of resources that I suggest for people. And you can get it at any bookstore. You can order it also from IndieBound.org, and they uh, channel the funds to any bookstore. And then, of course, the usual culprits, Amazon and Barnes and Noble and Walmart and Target, they all have it as okay. well. All right. Great. Well, that's great. I'm, I can't wait to, to get it and read it because yeah. I do think, you know, we are both, you know, we are, we are not handicapped, you know, but you never know what's going to happen in your future either. You know, you don't know if you're, your knee's going to blow out or you're going to need a hip replacement or, you know, you, you end Short up with. Short term or long term. Yeah. Or yeah. you end up with something that is, you know, it's a great resource. Yeah. Okay, we're we're getting the end, and um, we always ask a you betcha moment and a hell no moment. I'm thinking your hell no moment is the bear. <laughs> yes. but well, actually, I have another hell no okay, moment. Okay. Tell I us was about thinking it. about this in the shower today. That we used to do genealogical research, and we were doing my husband's in eastern France in a a, a little village called Dimmeringen. 
And when I looked for a place to stay, the closest hotel was in a little town called Sar Union. And so I found the one hotel there, and we checked in in the afternoon. We looked around. We looked at the beds, and they looked like they were from the 1930s. And they, the mattresses <laughs> were like cotton batting or something. They two twin beds pushed together. We looked at each other, and I said, I can't sleep on this bed. So we paid. We paid the $60 for the night, and we went and told the concierge, I'm sorry, but we're going to find someplace else. And we called the mayor of Demeringen because we had just talked to him about the genealogical research, and um, we asked him where he would recommend, and he told us to go up into the hills to a little resort called Petit Pierre, and yeah. it was lovely. Okay. <laughs> but that that little hotel in the Sar Union, I would – that was my biggest hell no. Was so I wouldn't even sleep there, and um, uh, you betcha. Um, I oh Paris, I think is my you betcha. That's oh, wonderful. It's a great place to stay. There's so much to do there. Yeah, we yeah, we've, we've been, been there, there once. Well, you've been, I've been there. there twice, but together. Yeah, you've once. been there twice. We were there once, but we basically just passed through it at night. I need to get back there and see it a little better. But well, thank you. This has been super enlightening for us. And it, it brings a part of retirement that people don't think of, you know, and well, they think about it, but, you know, they don't embrace it the way you have. And I think that's wonderful. Right. And a lot of people, you know, um, have a disability in retirement and we just haven't reached out to them, you know. Right. So it, it's on us. There. Well, she's, you're getting out there and doing it, Francine. Like I said, I think that's wonderful. Yeah, I think it's easier to adapt in some ways uh, when you've had a disability all your life. And then when it hits you later, if something happens and your doctor says, well, you can't ski anymore, well, you can't dance anymore, whatever it is, it's heartbreaking. Yes. But there are other things to do. You just have to look beyond your immediate comfort zone and just get out there. Keep looking out the window is the way I look at it. That's a great way to look at it. That is. My, my mother at 87 tries to walk about a mile every day out on the farm and she says I figure when I quit doing it then I'm going to quit doing it so I want to do it as long as I can and that's a good advice mother that's yeah that's really good exercise is really important and also she gets out and she sees the nature around her which is also really regenerative it is it is is. well thank you thank you for joining us Francine we really appreciate this well thank you I appreciate the opportunity it's been really fun talking with you All right. You have a great day. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Happy trails. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. Okay, well, that wraps up another adventure. Yeah, it was really interesting talking to Francine. Well, you know, she gave us a spin on retirement. And, yes, I know her handicap was from birth, polio, she said. But like I said, a lot of people, it comes on. Oh, yeah. You never know when you're, you know, if you have Parkinson's or MS. I mean, there's so many diseases out there that are debilitating towards your health. Well, it doesn't even have to be a disease, you know. Right. Like when people get their hips replaced or knees replaced, you're slowed down. And you just need to accept it, overcome it. Like I said, I love it that she gets out yeah. there and does things. She was, you know, and that was a really good point. She's, you know, talked about getting out in nature, doing something. Don't just sit in a house and be too yeah, easy to do. It really would. Even and when you get older, it'd be way too easy to do. You got to get out there and have adventures. That's right. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate everybody supporting us. We, um, we're growing and we love it. If you ever want to, Contact us. Contact us. Thank you for that. 
My, got I that had, word there, I had right? a little brain fart there. If you ever want to contact us, you can do it on our website. That's adventureretired.com or at adventureretired at gmail.com. Or even at our Facebook page. Right. Francine, they contacted us, and it was a wonderful interview. Yeah, that's, so. it's kind of cool that we get people there. Almost like we're famous. It's almost that way. I don't think so. <laughs> oh, well. Thanks for joining us. I love you, Cindy. I love you more. And that's the kids and loved you. Yeah, that's the kids and loved you.